This is the Only One Shot Golf Podcast. I'm your host, Jim Gallagher Jr. Don't forget to subscribe to wherever you get your podcasts. And if you want to get in touch with us, you can email us at onlyoneshotgolf at gmail.com or catch us on Instagram at onlyoneshotgolf. You can also catch me at GallagherJRGC on Twitter and on Instagram at GallagherJR. Today we have the legend of Tennessee golf. That's Bob Walcott. He was an AJGA All-American. He went to Georgia, where he's All-SEC All-American. Also played five years on the PGA Tour. Now he's the head of director of golf at the uh, Tunica National. Also spent some time at Greystone in Dixon, Tennessee. So let's see if we can get Bob on the line and see what he's got to say. All right, let's see if we can get Bob on the phone. Bob Walcott, welcome to the podcast. Uh, thank you, Jim. Uh, always good talking to a good friend. Like yourself, especially big Tennessee ball. Well, and I've got a ball in my family. I know it's a, it's a smart. That's what you got two actually, kind of really smart kids. You I do. I yeah. think. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> and they saw the light somehow. They did see the light, and it wasn't a train, so that was a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> but we've known each other for a long, long time. I mean, we go all the way back to junior golf and all that stuff. But who got you started, and and what influenced you when you started playing the game? You know, I grew up in Dixon, which was 30 miles from Nashville. My dad was a genetic there in the Dixon Country Club. And uh, I'd go out and watch, you know, got to ride around, watch him. And um, he sawed me off three clubs. And um, I'd go out and be there around. We had a group of kids that uh, my mom worked for the Board of Education. And um, either Tall Dales or my mom would drop us off at the country club during the week. Couldn't play weekends. Then kids were not allowed to play during the weekend. So right. we'd beat balls from Monday to Friday. We might, we try to play 54 holes, play baseball, kickball, go swim. We'd, we'd do whatever we could do. And so, you know, I did that for a long time. And then uh, my dad saw a need that I needed some help, you know, to try to get my game a little better. And I saw Bobby McKeever, who's a great teacher, long-time teacher. He, he was at Bell Mead, started there, and wound up, went to work for Dick Harmon at River Oaks, and yep. then went to Country Club of Jackson, then Farmington and Charlottesville. And he also taught Scott Verplank growing up, who's a world beater. But uh, Bobby, you know, Bobby had a group of guys, Matt King that was there, Jack Larkin was there, Jimmy Ward was there, uh, Mike Kelleher was there, all taken from Bobby. So he put out tons of great players, um, at that time, and he was just real fundamental oriented, you know, make sure you line up good, but biggest thing was focused on short game, you know, mm-hmm. putting and chipping, how to get the ball in the hole at a young age, and I'll never forget, he changed a lot of my mechanics, and first turn on one play, I had a four putt and three three putts, so <laughs> it, took a, it took a little bit to kind of get used to it, but it, it, uh, paid, it paid off dividends. How, how important or how influential was to have so many good players around you? How big a big a deal was that to have those great players to kind of keep you going? Well, you know, everybody wanted to be like, you know, Jeff Jones was there growing up too, you know, obviously that you played with mm-hmm. in Tennessee, you know, um, to be around those guys day in, day out, they, they played different courses. Obviously, going to Dixon was up and hill, you know, nine holes, up and down hills, every kind of lot, which is great to learn. But you need to play a bigger golf course, learn how to drive it, learn where the hazards were, the bunkers were. We didn't even have a buffer on the golf course growing up. So I needed to, you know, play it at some places. So my dad actually wound up being an out-of-town member at Richland and grew up on that golf course. Mm-hmm. I met Lou Graham and team and Otto Lou Graham back then and uh but Sam Matt and 
Kelleher, they were older, play, hit a ball. I'll never forget watching Matt King hit a ball. I was 12 and he was 14, and it actually just sound and the spin. I was like, man, you can actually hit a golf ball this way. So it was fun. Just, you know, I got to travel with those guys. Uh, Bob Jackson, who wound up coming to Ole Miss, mm-hmm. trying to play at Ole Miss, I think, uh, was also on that team. Skeeter Matlock was on that team. And Jack left Atlanta. And went down. I mean, left Nashville, moved to Atlanta, and wound up winning the U.S. Junior. And Bobby had all these guys at Battleground Academy uh, going, and uh, it just created an environment that everybody wanted to get better. And uh, if you weren't working at it, that uh, you weren't going to get any better. But you know, he was really adamant about how you carried yourself on the golf course, um, not getting, you know, getting so mad at yourself that you you know, affected the next play. So he had us read uh, Timmy Ga- Tim Galloway's inner game of tennis back then. So he was – Bobby was really always trying to help all the guys get better. And um, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, you you kind of downplay it. But you had a great junior career. I believe you and I were on that first AJGA All-American team or you – uh, the first year they had it. And so tell us about your recruiting process. Cause you end up going to wake forest. And at that time was, you know, one of the top five programs in the country. Why did you pick wake forest at first? You know, you know, I, you know, back then I tell people the recruiting process was so different. You know what I mean? You basically didn't sign until May. Uh-huh. You had a long period of time. And so I'd only, I'd set out, I was going to have five visits and um, Oklahoma state was the first. And then uh, Tennessee was the second and, Coach Malarkey called me when I was coming back on Sunday. He said, you're not, I need to know right now where you're going to school here. And I said, right now the answer is no, because I was going to take all my visits. And mm-hmm. got any Jim Gallagher there I'm talking to wound up going to Tennessee <laughs> right there. So, But, uh, you know, I wanted to see all the schools. Obviously, uh, I loved uh, all my visits. And, um, you know, when I went to Wake, it was great. Matt King was there. And, you know, Matt um, – David Abel was there. Tom Knox was there. Robert Wren was there. Gary Hallberg was there. Gary Pins were there. All great players. And, and so when I went, it was just a great visit. You know, it was kind of like it was an easy choice to say I was going to go to Wake. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I love my visit at Georgia. Uh, I love Mike Holder at Oklahoma State. You know, Holder was just – he was wanting me to commit, you know, early. And I just really what I, – I just – it was just – I'm like, I want to take my visits. And so I committed, you know, I said, hey, I really think I want to go to Oklahoma State, but if you're going to be, you know, that way, I, I just, I'm not going to do it. So I went and um, I really enjoyed my visit to Georgia. Griff Moody was there. Man Hatcher was there. Mike Cook was there. A lot of just really good, solid guys. But when I went there, I just loved the golf course in the pines. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It, it, mm-hmm. And, I, and I'd go down to watch Augusta through Dr. Smith, B.J. Smith, to take us down there, and it just reminded me of being near Augusta. I mean, it was just right. beautiful, big pines. And and so when I went to Wake, um, it was a little bit crazy. And obviously, you know, you, we, we played at Grandfather Mountain, and uh, it, it's a school about 2,500. It's got a quad. And um, as far as facilities, they were way behind everybody else. But the golf was so much you know, they just had all these great teams, Curtis mm-hmm. Trains, Jay Hawks, on and on. That's where Arnold played. And so, you know, and we, Scott Hope was there. I mean, we, we had some great competitions and playing, but 
the the conditions of the school, I was like, you know, I just, I wasn't really happy. I'd always been around a big school, and I tell people today, I left really because of my love of the SEC. I, I just, you know, I go to a football game, there might be 5,000 stands, you know, people in the stands at Wake Game. It just, it wasn't a big priority where, you know, if you're even at Vanderbilt, you know, you know, the stadium was full, you know, if you went to a Tennessee game, it was full. And just growing up in the South and going to Tennessee games, my dad uh, went to Tennessee. So, it, you know, it's just until you experience it, you don't know it. You know, and obviously you've been there and you graduate there and your love for the school is incredible. And so by going there and going to a football game, it really changes you forever, you know. And so um, I looked at transferring and I just loved Georgia. And, and so I just transferred and it was the best thing I did for me and uh, my golf game too. So, um it was, it was a lot of fun being there. Yeah, it's a college atmosphere. I mean, that's the thing you, you try to tell these kids now. Like you said, it was different for us, and, and it's all changed a lot more when your boys were being recruited. We'll get to them later. But, I mean, they were having to make decisions in ninth grade, 10th grade, and they weren't quite ready to do anything. Uh, and now they've backed it up to at least junior year before they can start contacting them. And, it, and you're right. It's it's about that college atmosphere, and there's nothing like it in the world, the college football and the SEC or, or sports in general, because they love it so much. But, you know, you were all SEC, all American at Georgia. Y'all had some great teams. And actually, you know, Georgia and Tennessee were supposed to be big rivals, but we were really pretty close, probably as close as any two teams could be uh, because of the guys you mentioned. And, and, and it's just a good bunch of guys. We all had some fun. But uh, uh, did playing there prepare you for when you decided to pay, play the PGA Tour? You know, I think, yeah, obviously, uh, great golf courses, you know, with, we had Athens Country Club, it was a different style of golf course, you know, um, tree-lined. Obviously, in our era, people won't realize it, but we actually played Woodwoods. Mm-hmm. You know, you broke it. If you, if you had your driver in the trunk of your car and it, you know, the wood dried out, you could actually break your driver and it took you forever to find a new driver. So, I think, you know, just learning – the golf courses, learning the equipment you played with back then and then uh, playing against great, fierce competition. And, you know, we would see y'all at tournaments and y'all had a great team. And so it was always battling and, and having us trying to make each other better uh, all the way. And, it, you know, it took me a while to get out there and tour. Obviously, um, I, I came close several times. But, you know, if you're going to play this game, you've got to earn it all. And mm-hmm. you got to go out there and work hard and play hard and, you're going to compete against guys, you know, that you say, man, you look at their swing or whatever. They get the ball in the hole and they score, and that's what the game's all about. And and you can't ever lose that. That's what I tell my boys all the time is that you got to go post score and you got to go play the game. You know, you prepare and it's time to go play. And so I think, you know, that's what being around those great players did, you know, to help you get out there. And um, Georgia, you know, you look at them now. Uh, we had good players then. Got great players now, and same thing at Tennessee. You got great players now, and then so it's it's fun to watch and keep up with all these guys. Yeah, tell us about Q School because uh, a lot of people don't realize just how much pressure there is, and it's a you get it that year or you don't, and you're out of a job for a year. But tell us about your experience. You said it maybe took you a little longer to you get know, out there. So my first year, I went uh, got to the finals. I went to uh, Mission Hill, and uh, Stewart was out there, and Harry Taylor, like. Ended there. We were all playing, and you know, I just didn't. I just didn't play well that week. I think I missed by four shots or something. But I just really never played as well as I could play. Those golf courses. 
took a little bit, in my opinion, to kind of learn the desert. You know, in Georgia, we saw trees and, you know, up and down hills. I'd seen all that, but I really hadn't played a lot of desert golf at mm-hmm. all. And, had, you know, it, and we went out there and tried to prepare. I went to Arizona and played a little couple mini tours. and But it just, I never felt comfortable with the looks. And, you know, it just took a while. So, you know, when you miss, you got, they had a little TPS tour that might have two or three, um, you know, I think they had eight, eight events, but, um, you know, you got to play those. And uh, I played the Providence the year before and led it for a couple rounds about, you know, being a pro and didn't win. But I think being around it, you know, back then Bob Tway and I got his card. You mm-hmm. know, a lot of, lot of, you know, Jeff Maggard and I got his card. So a lot of great players were still doing it. But but then the, the under tour, the senior tour really hadn't kicked off. So you had all the great players still on the regular tour. And then you had, Maybe, you know, everybody in the world trying to get on the tour. So it was so competitive that, um, you know, the next year I decided I was going to really make it to Greenleaf. And I was, I prepared. It's probably the best I really, even to this day, is the best I've prepared. And long story short, Jim, I played the backside. I remember I, I shot 40 on my last nine and missed five shots. But mm. I lost the ball in the 106 hole. And, uh, missed by shot and you know i often wonder because my game was different then than when i came out on the tour in the late 80s but um you know god has planned for you and has a reason for you but it was you know i kept battling and kept battling and finally got out there in the school of 88 and i tell you a funny story you know people you know you get your chance and you got to knock through the door we were back out at the uh, nicholas resort course in palm springs and had a humongous weight the last hole. So I knew if I made bogey, I was, I was going to get my card. Mm-hmm. I knew it. I just said 18 there at uh, Nicholas Resort was a long par four, OB right, water right, I mean, OB left, water right. It's a long hole. I mean, it's, it was a good, you know, for me back then, if I had a good drive, I was going to have 300. And, and so, you know, I wasn't about short by any means, but we're waiting and waiting and Greg Lodikoff had his car gear for and he hits one forty yards OB. And I went <laughs> great I visual. Went, I was like I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna play this the way I wanna play because 'cause I'm not gonna not get my card. So I hit a four iron off the hole. Did uh, you I really hit a four iron off the tee, laid up for the four iron, hit a full nine iron in there and made a ten foot of a par. And I just said, hey, I'd, I'd, I'd worked so hard to get out there. And I just decided, hey, I don't care if anybody's laughing at me, whatever. I mean, I can drive it tomorrow. But I knew I had to do what I had to do to get my car. And so, you know, that's the way it was. And so you know, I think some people play um, for looks and some people play for, you know, if you look, you know, you got to do what you got to do to get the job done. And obviously, you can't hide behind your driver. I wasn't going to, you know, I, I've always thought I was a good driver, but I, at that point, I just wasn't going to trust myself up there with about a 45 minute wait on 18. <laughs> no. There's, that's a lot to be said. I, I've never heard that story, but it, it is. I mean, it's what you got to do to get the job done. It's not, I mean, there's no description out there. It's not a beauty contest. You're not trying to see. And, and, and that, to sit on that tee for that long, knowing what's on the line, and just had seen what you saw, uh, I mean, that's some serious pressure. But you played the tour for five years. 
uh, and we played together several times. And, and yeah. uh, uh, but, but, you know, what was your experience like on the PGA Tour for those years? You know, I think the big thing is that, you know, I, you tell people, obviously, um, it's a lot of pressure. You want to perform well and you want to do well. And, and, you know, I look at it, I had, you know, I had some good events and not so good events. But I think the thing is that, you know, people, it's tough. And even at the amateur level, you got to realize you're a great player, even though that you're not, the results aren't what you want. You just got to keep working at Mm -hmm. it. But, you know, a lot of people have their success in so few weeks. So you had to kind of buy your time to have weeks. And, you know, they say courses for horses. And it's really true. You know, I mean, there's certain courses that are going to fit people's eyes. And, you know, your game travel well wherever you played. Mine didn't travel as well as I'd like for it to travel. But I felt like, you know, there's certain times um, it, it did well. You know, I think my thing is I didn't win and, why did I not win? I had my chances to win a couple of times, but I was like, you know, you just got to keep performing. You know, I tell people, you just can't make bogeys. I mean, you mm-hmm. can make bogeys, but the game is to not make bogeys. And I think I was watching last night uh, Tiger Woods at Pebble Beach when he ran away with it. I think it was in 2000. And uh, he was just playing a game the last day not to make a bogey. And he didn't make a bogey. I mean, he didn't care about the records. He was just right. playing a game within himself. And I think, you know, my my career, I needed to be a better short game. I was a phenomenal bunker player, mediocre wedge player, you know, and I think that's the one thing that I've tried to instill in my boys, especially Ben. Ben, ben has incredible short game. And so I think, you know, you've got to have it all. I mean, you know, if I tell people, hey, you've got to be a good driver, good iron player, great short game player, great putter. I mean, you can't. You just got to do it all, you know. You've got to be able to do it all, and uh, you got to perform. and And the big thing is, you got to be tough mentally because there's going to be a lot of weeks, I and mean, you could miss five straight cuts. Mm-hmm. You just can't lose all your confidence because you're one of the better players in the world. I mean, it's just you just got to be ready and uh, go. Well, you know, it's funny you said that you were a great bunker player. You grew up with a golf course with no bunkers. That's phenomenal. But you practiced, you got better. But you mentioned Ben, and and you uh, you were owner of Greystone in Nashville, or actually, I guess Dixon. And I came up for, uh, I think it was an SJGT with my oldest, Mary Langdon, and you said Ben would like to play. And so Ben's probably, I don't know, 13, maybe not even that, 14. And, and so and I, I had kind of sort of quit playing or not playing much, but get on the first few holes, and he's birdied like the first five. And I'm going like, what the heck did Bob get me into here? Fixed to get beat by a 13-year-old to death, you know? And, uh, but what a great kid. He went to Ole Miss and, and he was on there with some great, great teams. I think Chris Malloy was coaching them, uh, as well. So, I mean, how proud, how cool was that to see Ben following your footsteps, playing college golf and, and, and to get there and have that success? You know, it's, it's fun. You know, I tell people with Ben, Ben was, um, he just loved the game. Ben had great, Ben is a right brain player. I mean, he is totally feel, he picture it, he does it. He's never seen a shot he didn't like, and so uh, he just play around the greens all day. If he can't just send to go down here, and there's a short course over there. He's got 22 hole-in-ones on a little par three course over there. So, I mean, Ben, his hands were just as – if he sees it, I mean, just he just loves it. And so – but he loved playing. I'll never forget one day I was there, and there's this guy just came up with an 18-wheeler and just parked and wanted to play, and – Next thing I know, man, Ben's just riding in the passenger seat. <laughs> they've gone off the plane. And I'm like, 
you know, hope this guy's not a child abductor or whatever. Exactly. You know, he just plays. And uh, Ben loved playing, and he loved watching people play, and he still talks about the day he plays with y'all up there. But he, uh, you know, he was lucky. Uh, Arnett Ross recruited into uh, Ole Miss, and Arnett's coached against us, you know, so mm-hmm. a familiar face. But Ben loved Ole Miss and going there, and he, uh, you know, he's recruited by, I think, Tennessee and Vanderbilt, and he just, he loved Oxford. And loved the experience, and I think um, he liked the girls, you know. Yeah, they got plenty of them there. And he liked to grow. But um, when Cripps came there, it really helped Ben. He he really um, worked with Ben on how to play and make a game plan and uh, was tough on him uh, to prepare and practice and be ready. And that team – his senior year won four times. Thornberry wins the NCAA. Mm-hmm. Ben hurt his back flying up there. I'll never forget when I got Chicago voices. I'm not sure he's going to get to play. And I'm like, are you kidding me? And he goes. And so he was on about 50%, but I'll never forget. They were they were playing really well up there as a team. And then uh, Josh Seipel made back-to-back doubles on 16-17, finishing the third day. And then Ben – made two doubles. The next thing you know, they got flipped into the wrong wave finishing mm. the last day. And and so they didn't make it a match play. But I thought that team, that Ole Miss team was as good as I've seen. And I'd used it because Hunter was a freshman mm-hmm. at Tennessee with Jim Kelson. I told him, I went watching the kill, and I said, you know, I said, guys, this Ole Miss team's going to win a lot. They'll run away with it. And they looked at me like I was crazy. I said, no, they got really a lot of horsepower on that team. And they wound up winning by, I think, 10 shots. And they were like, how'd you know? I said, well, I'm just watching them play. And they got to a golf course where they, they played before. Mm-hmm. Just wait. I said, Thornberry can really go. And he'll get them all excited about making birdies. But those guys want to kill that week. I said, once you win the first time, you can win the second time. You know, you know how to do it. And mm-hmm. so it just creates winning, creates winning. And, and um, that's what, you know, and Chris has done a great job. He ain't got the whole team, you know, that he's wanted over there just because the pandemic, but he's loaded over there again. He's got some he great is. young kids, Jack and Suber. I know uh, Jack Nam. You know, those guys are just a bunch of good guys and good players, and uh, I really enjoyed watching them. You know, I follow them, and, and uh, besides, I'm actually closer to watching them than I am the Georgia Bulldogs. I still pull for the Bulldogs, but yeah, obviously I'm pulling for the Vols now with Hunter up there, but. Um, Chris has been such a godsend, you know, really, because um, he's helped them. But he also helped Hunter get better uh, up there, too, just watching those guys. Yeah, I mean, when you meet Chris, I mean, he could he can get you to walk across the ocean, or at least think you could. <laughs> I mean, exactly. I, I had him on the podcast, and, I mean, he just got talking. And I was listening. I loved it. I learned so much from him. He actually, Brennan Webb, who's at Tennessee now, was one of his assistants, gave him his first job. So, uh, but Chris has done, a, like you said, a remarkable job. Is Ben still playing, or what's Ben up to these days? You know, Ben, ben is he's still trying to play. Uh, he's in Tampa, obviously, with the pandemic. He just doesn't have many opportunities. But he's still, you know, I think right now, Jimmy's playing better than he's ever played. He went to Colorado. It was 19 under wow. going into his 54th hole and made a big number. But, you know, he just made a couple mistakes. But I told him, I said, you're, you've got to learn 
you're still learning. Mm-hmm. You're young enough, you're still learning. So you've got high enough octane that you're going to make birdies and keep playing well. I said, you've got to learn that you've eliminated a big part of the field being in 1900, and you've got 19 holes left. There's only 10 guys that win the tournament. You cannot make a big number. You right. just got to keep, you know, bogey, you know, make bogey the worst to go on. You know what I'm saying? You, you can't win it on Saturday, but, you know, you got to get to the back nine. So he, that was a learning process. I'll tell you a funny story about Chris real quick. They go to the regional out in Austin, and Mike Holder's there, you know, one of the, I think he's won eight or nine national championships at Oklahoma State. So he said, well, who do you think the best coach in, is in America right now? And I said, Chris Malloy. He said, Chris Malloy? I said, yeah, Ole Miss is coach. He said, are you kidding me? at the best job I've ever seen in a college program in a town that, you know, it's small and turning over. I said, it's easy to grow it where you think they're good, like at your school. But I said, if you came to Oxford, it'd take you a while to get it going. And to me, what they've accomplished here, he's the best coach in America. So I always, when I see Chris, I always hashtag best coach in America. Because <laughs> I, I went on. Holder thinks I'm a little bit nuts, but I, uh, I I always think Chris is one of the best. And, and Webb, you know, coaching under Chris at South Florida, I mean, Webb is just like, I mean, they're really uh, – if I had a kid that I could send to school right now, Ole Miss or Tennessee would be at the top. I agree. Uh, I think those two guys are those those two guys are the finest guys I know in the business of college coaching. They're gonna make your young men become men and they're gonna teach them a lot about life. They're gonna have fun, they're gonna grow at the university, they're gonna make straight A's. I mean, they're all gonna be an honor roll, I promise you that. Mm-hmm. And they're gonna walk away with their degree. And so as a parent you just go, This is what I want. Right. No, I agree. I think they're they're two wonderful people, and there's a lot to be said about. Like you said, they're getting kids at that age where they're molding. I mean, it's our job as parents, but they're molding men, and they're they're there for us because they've got them nine months a year, uh, in 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 motivating them and and not you know not babysitting but challenging them. Uh, because a lot of times, right, kids no yeah, kids don't want to listen to your parents. But you mentioned uh, Hunter, and you got Collier. Of course, he played football at Middle Tennessee State, but he saw the light and transferred to Tennessee with Hunter. But uh, <laughs> as, as as Hunter, but you know, Hunter didn't start off as well the first year or so. But uh, as you said, Brennan Webb came in there and and kind of changed things for him. And, and when you look at Hunter, I mean, he looks like a gladiator. Uh, and and I just saw the other day he's got uh, what one ninety two ball speed one. 29 club head speed i can't combine my two and get that and i think as a parent i think you need to ground him i think you need to take his phone away from him <laughs> i mean my gosh but he's just such a great kid and the coolest thing and i know i'm rambling here but the coolest thing is last year in a reunion from the last season they named the most valuable player after me which was very honoring when when brennan got there and it was hunter and i got to present it to him and i can't think of a nicer kid now, i love all the kids at school there but it was just, it meant so much for me and for you to be there and, and everybody for me to be able to hand him that trophy. And I could just see in his eyes how he had changed. And uh, I know you're proud of him. And it's, and he's got things going in the right direction now. Yeah, you know, Webb got there and um, he took on our side. He, and here's the great thing about Webb. He, he, you'll get the difference when I say it, is that he took Hunter aside and he says, you know, Hunter, a lot of people say you're, you're going to be trouble for me up here. You're never going to play for me blah 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 and he says hunter i think you're going to be the first three-time all-american here let's go get him and prove everybody wrong so you can talk about getting a kid fired up mm. that's what hunter needed to hear so hunter went and worked his butt off and and played well and won a tournament and obviously 
what an honor to win your award up there. I mean, obviously, you're such a phenomenal player with your career and what you've accomplished in golf. But, you know, to leave a legacy there in Tennessee, too, I mean, it's it's something that's everlasting. Those kids look up to you up there and, you know, see you on the TV. Um, they hear you. They watch, they've watched you play. So, I mean, it's, it's great for those kids to see PGA Tour, Greatness, Ryder Cup. And so they've got something to work for. And so – they're looking for the next tour player going to be coming out of there, especially out of this group. And that's what they're really grinding for. And Webb's, you know, got them working hard on it. And he, uh, you, can, you can see those guys working hard every day. Uh, Carter's up there with Hunter now, and it, it, it means a lot to uh, Hunter to have him up there and uh, be a part. And Hunter's, uh, Carter's in construction management. Hunter's already in grad school. Uh, I don't see how you're twins and uh, <laughs> have not graduated yet. But uh, it happens. Parents, it does happen. And uh, you got to keep these kids on course. But uh, Carter's found something he loves. He loves construction. Loves seeing. He worked floors all summer. And uh, he worked for Scansa Construction uh, doing an internship year before last. But, you know, having a goal that he likes. And uh, he, he's really excited about being in Knoxville. He's my Georgia football biggest fan. But he's really turned into a big Orange fan. And uh, it, it's fun for all of us just to see sports and talk about sports. And, uh, be a part of it, but what an honor for, for Hunter to receive that award last year. You know, you said uh, Collier's major. My daughter uh, Elizabeth's majoring in building construction science, so it's like, huh? And uh, <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, I think there's another girl in there. So there's two girls in the in the whole. Uh, maybe in the whole major, but it's really a cool thing to see them make their decisions, choose that, and that's the path they want to take. But, you know, you mentioned that, and, and the facility, and, and I know it's easy for me because I'm a all, but the facility they have in Knoxville, when you sit there and look at it just from the beauty side of it, I don't know if there's a prettier location and, and setting as you could have there. Uh, and now they finally got a building, and it's finally put it all together. And, and the good news is Coach Fulmer, who's the ADs, they're into golf, and they, they're putting that – uh, big push on golf, which is what you have to do at college, and that's what you're looking for uh, when you're out there and 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 you're trying to find somewhere where I'm going to be comfortable. And we've we've mentioned about great players and everything. And, and one thing I try to do in this podcast, and and you've been around them, you've been one of those. What separates the elite player from the average guy, or just you know a really good player? What separates them? Well, I think the. The elite players, there's two things. Number one, their work ethic. You don't ever question their work ethic. Uh, they're always trying to get better, um, always. And they're doing the right things on and off the golf course. They're taking care of their body. They're taking care of their mind, uh, taking care of their soul. And, um, you know, keeping it simple but um, consistent. Um, I look at consistency over and over and over. If you can do the same thing and just keep, you know, Golf is not – you just got to be consistent in what you do. And um, obviously you can have high things and all over the map, and it, it's not very good. But if you can do it consistent and produce the scores and work on your short game, and you know, I just look at consistency myself, um, just in their daily routine and their uh, making sure that they take care of, you know, a little time off and rejuvenate and get fired up, you know, to play better golf. But I think, you know, taking care of their mind, soul, their spirit is just as important as being, you know, taking care of it and working out um, is just as important. So I think, you know, a strong mind leads to a strong body. And so I think Brendan gets it. He gets them up at five and works on their body. But he makes sure that they're eating well, 
you know, they can get sure to get time to study, but also they've got time to, if they're, you know, a Christian, they're going to go to church. I mean, mm-hmm. they're going to take care of themselves. And, they, and once that player leaves college, he doesn't have that coach saying it. So he's got to ingrain those principles and take them with him forever. So that's what I see in the elite player. That's awesome. Yeah, I agree. I think there's, uh, that's what makes them great. I mean, those are the things. There's several other qualities. You can heart. You got all these things, but it, it, it they want to be the best, and they want to work at it, and they want to be the best. But when when you look back at your career, uh, and I know I've jumped back to it, what are you most proud of, and what you accomplished? You know, uh, just the the friends I've made more than anything are probably the most proudest thing I've got. But I think as far as golf is that, you know, I won a lot of you know championships won some state opens in three different states um was all american you know from the junior to college um three-time all sec not many people could say all that you mm-hmm. know with their name but um you know pga tour i didn't win but i i was out there play with some great players and got some great stories and so been really blessed on my life with my golf but i think when you're going through it if you don't take time to enjoy and get to know the people and that's the great thing that Malloy and Webb did. Make sure they soak in the towns where they are, meet the people, thank the people, write them thank you notes, and do it the right way. And I think that's the biggest thing is always trying to do it the right way. And that's what I'd say I'm probably most proud is that, you know, trying to just always have these lifelong friends like yourself and, and, and see each other and stay in touch. And that's what's probably means more to me than really the golf and the trophies. Yeah, the friendships. I mean, you mentioned friends. Coach Bird yeah. was at Belmont. Vince Gill's a good friend of yours. Mm-hmm. And you do. You meet the – of course, they're more celebrity, whatever. But you, it's it's the people you meet. And that's what makes this game so – that's what attracts us all together. That's what's so hard in COVID right now is we're not able – although golf, to me, I don't know about where – uh, everywhere seems to be doing well. Uh, but how do we grow the game? How do we get this game uh, going and, and, and getting more people involved? You know, I think the big thing is um, um, Top Golf had, had taken a lot of people, you know, to the game. Mm-hmm. And I, 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 call, I call Top Golf a driver rink. You know, really, I don't, it, it's a different game, you know, um, that we're playing. It's almost like there's different games in basketball. It's a different game than golf. I mean, golf is learning from the tee box all the way to the green, but posting a score. So I think um, COVID's got people out. So for us to get people out, the thing that during COVID, it, what I see that's helped, number one, you know, we don't let them get the pin out here at Tunica National, so um, they don't touch the pin. They're not raking bunkers. Um, so they can either drop out or, they, you know, scrape and just get a good shot. So – from a maintenance standpoint, you're always playing preferred line out of the bunkers, which give people a hard time. And then you've got – it just seems like, you know, the pace of place faster. Mm-hmm. Um, almost, you know, from three hours to four hours. Four hours is max. You know, when some days you're doing five, five and a half hours, six hours. You know, people – the thing that they value most is their time. And so we got caught up in this time that – they only have, you know, to have four hours just in the game is a lot of time. But during COVID, you don't hear that so much because they're really wanting to be outside. Mm-hmm. So we have to transition and make sure these changes in the game that they transcend to fast golf, fun golf, that they can learn and play. So, you know, with the range, you know, people hit balls more, they're putting more. So I think the practice facilities 
we've got to be quick to make sure that we keep brains balls out there that they can hit and you know work on their game and then run and go play whether it's walking um, pushing their cart riding a cart you know single rider is made it fast too I mean mm-hmm. you know it's, it's it's harder on the facility to have single rider just because we have to clean and maintain that many more golf carts and we're having to all rent golf carts and so you know, a lot of people only have 60 golf carts in their fleet, but right now we've got 85. We normally keep 75, so we get 85. And at Dixon, uh, we've got 95. So, wow. you know, Grayston, we've got 20, 20 extra. So, but the single rider makes it fast. You know, they're getting to the ball faster, they play faster. So I think it, a little bit of it's we've got to make sure the game keeps moving at a brisk pace. The other thing is just keep people helping get better. And, uh, you know, I think – there's two scenarios I think with equipment makes sure it's fun it's easy to hit the ball goes further for the average player for the great player maybe it needs to be dialed down I don't know it that you know it's so much different than when our when we played growing up you know I remember I'll never forget and uh, I think you were a max fly player mm-hmm. forever too and so you know I, I went and watched uh, Memphis I went on a tour and um but I qualified for Memphis and I looked at the leaderboard and it was windy. The old DDH, man. Yeah, that was a great DDH ball. DDH was, zip, was mm-hmm. zipping it through the wind. So, you know, I think just making sure that um, we keep the amateurs, um, that they've got good stuff to play with, too. And, and, and I think the golf companies are uh, vibrant and uh, doing well, too, you know, selling stuff. And I think it's just been a little bit down, but it's really fun to see enthusiasm of people coming out to playing golf right now well that's a great way to end it but you can find bob at tunica national graystone there in uh dixon just outside of nashville but bob we appreciate you being on the podcast and it's been fun catching up and one way i always try to end it whether it's in life or golf you you only have one shot and and you got to make it count and you have and you've done it with your boys and it's been great to have you on great to catch up with you uh y'all go find uh go check out bob at tunica national graystone bob thanks for being with us Jim, it's a pleasure, man. Thanks so much. All right, brother. Thank you.